It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 62, November 16th, 2021. Find us on Spotify, iTunes. Kuehler is back on the show to help me out. Uh, last couple of weeks, I thought I had lost her. Kuehler, I came up with this theory that you got lost in a Halloween accident, despite the fact that you told me exactly what you were doing. And so I thought you got kidnapped on Halloween. Yeah, that's exactly what I yeah, was doing. She was doing exactly what I thought she was doing. No. Which was I didn't like didn't do much on Halloween. It's okay. Anyway, I am doing a lot right after the show. Directly after the show, I'm actually going to be not going to LA. I'm going really early in the morning, but I'm preparing to go to LA because I am going to the taping of a show. Uh, I got invited to one of those. It's not something you can buy tickets to. It's because I went to broadcasting school. The professor for that school put me on this emailing list, and they sent out, "Hey, they want students, not me, but they want students." Uh, to go to this production and check it out and see what it's like. And I've been on a couple of these before. And obviously, I've worked on sets and all that stuff, being on commercials. I was on that one Super Bowl commercial that I didn't even know aired during the Super Bowl that one year for the Oculus Quest 1. So I've, I've been on sets before, and it'll be cool to actually be on a set for the first time in a while. There was a time where I was recording all the... I mean, I've been on sets this year, but not anything that was a super big production. I've gone to do music videos and commercials and all that kinds of stuff like before covid and this is gonna be the first time i'm actually back on one during covid and it's interesting to see all the little things that they do to make sure that it's still safe there's literally a new person on set there's a new role i guess every production studio has that's a covid coordinator they have rapid testing and making sure that everyone's uh negative for the Rona right before they go in and making sure you're vaccinated and you have to send documentation. They're very careful about it, uh, especially when there's, you know, millions of dollars of production on the line. So that'll be pretty cool. Uh, it's super nda so I can't really go more into it than that. But I'm going to be going down to LA. For those of you who don't know, I live in San Francisco or near San Francisco, and it's going to be like a six-hour drive or something like that. It's a drive I've done before. And a drive I've actually not done for a while because I used to go to E3 every single year. I've gone to every E3 I was allowed to go to since I turned like 16 or 18. I think it was 18. And I've gone to every single E3 except for the last one before the Rona hit. And then the Rona hit. So there have been no E3 since then. But E3 always takes place in LA. And I would go down there pretty much at least once a year, if not sometimes like three, four times a year back when I was doing professional streaming and gaming stuff to go down there to developer studios and all that because there's a lot of game devs out there but it'll be cool to uh, take a long road trip it's kind of a pain in the ass drive it's, it's six hours but it's not the worst we've done i've done 12 hours before but it was shared between two people and this is going to be six hours but with just me it was cheaper than flying so i just decided to go out there and do it so that's what's going on right after the show i might not Edit. I do edit all of the recent modern episodes of the Early Access podcast for audio clarity, but this time I, I have a little bit less time because I got to like get out of the house right after this. Anyway, uh, I want to talk a little bit about before we get into gaming. We have a lot of gaming news today. We have so much about Activision that came out literally today. I want to talk a little bit about Vanguard, even though I haven't played it. We're going to talk about some things surrounding Vanguard and the new Warzone and some uh, some other stuff about VR and Pokemon. There's some Pokemon stuff I'm going to briefly touch on later on because it'd be brilliant Diamond, Shining, Pearl, Sinnoh re-releases come out later this week. But I have been, to balance it out so I don't seem like an absolute nerd on this gaming podcast, I have been rock climbing now for, what is it, two, three months, something like that. I think we're on week, I've lost count of unemployment, I think 11 I don't think we've quite hit three months yet but anyway so in my spare time now that i'm not working out a lot i've been rock climbing i just got belay certified and i had no idea what that meant four months ago but basically it's the person that's on the ground who kind of acts as a counterweight and manages the rope for the other climber to make sure that if they let go of the wall or they lose all their grip strength and fall down that they don't hit the ground and die and so i took a little two-hour class on that and then studied just a little bit it's actually probably more than I studied for any tests in college. So 30 minutes maybe. And I'm now belay certified, which is really cool because I can do the walls that aren't. There's this thing called an auto belay when you're rock climbing that basically you just hook yourself to this contraption on the ceiling that works similar to a seatbelt. If you tug on it too hard, 
it'll start lowering you slowly and that's an auto belay similar to how in a seatbelt in a car um, will stop you from like flying forward through the windshield and a normal belay that's not an auto belay is a person on the ground who has to manage the rope and make sure that you don't die and you have to know some stuff about tying knots and safety and all that because uh, you can potentially fall from it's about three stories worth of height if you fall from the very very top of the gym so making sure people don't die on the way down is is really safe anyway the whole point of that is cooler we can go well you can't belay me because you're not belay certified but i can belay you up the wall if you want to go rock climbing because i get two guest passes a month and i i want to start using them i cannot climb me neither cooler I couldn't either when I first started. I mean, you don't have to go all the way up is the thing. And you don't even... You can cheat, too. So the way the walls work is there's different colors on the wall, right? So let's say the rocks in front of you are yellow and purple. If you wanted to, like, really challenge yourself, you just climb the yellow ones, right? But if you don't give a fuck and you want to cheat or you're new to it, you just climb both the yellow and the purple ones. And it makes it significantly easier because you have twice as many places to grab onto and put your feet onto. Uh, And I'm... I'm only doing the ones that are, there's some people with insane grip strength and they're just using their like fingertips of three fingers and their thumb to hang onto a wall. I'm not there yet. I can still only grab onto things that are hand shaped. You can kind of like get your fingers in there and really hold on to it. So, uh, and also if you fall, uh, one of the cool things about having a belay certification over an auto belay is if you're being belayed by a person and you fall, you can actually just float there and I can, I kind of work as a counterweight so you can literally chill out in the air on a rope and it doesn't hurt because there's a harness on your waist. Yeah, I've been on, I've been on those kind of systems yeah. at least to know, to know that. So the cool thing with this is you can kind of chill if you're halfway up but you run out of strength and then keep going whereas on auto belay, if you drop, you just drop because there's no one who's oh, intelligent yeah, kind of holding you up. So it's... Uh, cooler that you get access to more walls and you have the ability to like tell your friend hey hold me up for a second I want to take like a one minute break and then you just kind of sitting there chilling so it's kind of cool uh, if you want to end up going but I want to start using my guest pass and I've been like exercising and, and working out a lot more as I said uh, on a couple episodes ago I, just, I have no strength to go up me neither I had issue. like zero grip strength when I first started doing this the first time I did it I couldn't even get the carabiner off of the like uh, I eventually did, obviously, because I'm sitting here now. But I couldn't get the carabiner off of my harness because my hands were so like shaky and tired. Like I couldn't even close my fist right afterwards fully. I had so little grip strength, and so now I have. Yeah, but then that, that would be my first yeah, time, so yeah. I, I'd be the same. But I'm not going to go back go for back a second yet. time. Yeah. So, so I'm just going to suffer. See, the thing is with with like all this exercising Maybe. and rock climbing i think the message i wanted to get across kind of like because this is a gamer centric show is that it i don't find i don't find exercising fun like i don't find it fun doing the rowing machine or biking rock climbing is a kind of fun but it's not like oh yeah i have nothing to do today let's go rock climbing over playing pokemon cards you know what i find fun is being fit and feeling better and getting exercise and looking stronger it's a lot of a vanity thing I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I love getting like that runner's high or uh, I love the feeling of the pump after you get off of going to the gym. No, none of that is getting the exercise isn't never fun to me. That. Yeah, me neither. I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to lie to anyone. I don't like feeling tired. I don't like feeling out of breath. I don't like feeling sweaty. Yeah. I don't like heat. And those are all things that happen when you like do proper hard exercise yeah, yeah that was, and i'm still in that place i think a lot of people are yeah go out and exercise and you'll eventually start to like it i still don't like it i i, I rock climbing is okay i i put that on the fun scale uh, uh six out of ten but it's something that i'm willing to tolerate and do consistently because it's at least a little fun because i do like oh i did this course that i've been trying to do i finally got to the top of it there's a little bit of achievement there Whereas uh, it's it's fun enough to tolerate because I like the result of how my body looks afterwards and being more fit uh, than it is like enjoying doing it. So I, f- I feel like a lot of gamers are like, yeah, I'll never enjoy exercising. And basically the point I'm trying to get across is that's true. 
it is not that fun. It's painful in the moment. And maybe that's yeah. okay. You can find something that can that can get you anyways. You just got to do something you tolerate. I don't know. The only real thing that's like exercise I do is just walk places, yeah. which is like, it doesn't get you that sweaty nor tired, and but I can just do it for like hours. But living in a place where like all the buildings are pretty makes it, it's kind of the, oh, this isn't actually that bad. Yeah, now that you live in France. If I had to walk down like... If I had to walk down, like, your area or something, I'd just be yeah. bored. Yeah, Kula lives out in France, and I live in the middle of suburbia, so walking is a much more feasible and normal part of life. Where I, do, I can't walk anywhere. I can. I walk across the whole city, kind of, at least, like, the top part of it. Yeah. For me, there's, what, what am I going to do, walk it's on the freeway? Cool. If I have to go somewhere, like, I just had to go to Men's Warehouse to pick up some clothes to go to the production in LA. I did do walks in suburbia, to be fair. I usually found, like, pla- but it usually depended on me finding places I could walk. Like, in the place that I lived last, there wasn't really anything special to go to, so I just, like, never walked. Yeah. But, again, the whole point of what I was talking about was to find a, a exercise method that you can at least tolerate because none of it's going to be fun, at least for me. I, I know some people are the gym bros out there who love it. Also look into what you're getting into also. Like, the reason I will literally just walk places is because, like, I just care to be fit in that regard. Like, I'm, I'm not really going to be swole yeah. in any way doing that. And you kind of got to accept that. If you're, if you're into that, then just don't do what I'm doing. I guess climb rocks. See, I want to be swole because being single and all, you got to look. I feel like it would it increases my chances looking a, a little bit less fat. Actually, I was talking about this. I don't know if I talked about this on stream or what, but I was looking at my TikToks and we ended the early access podcast for a little bit. And that was also around the last time I posted a TikTok in February. And I looked at my, I, and I was really chubby actually at 193 pounds. Like you can see a lot of fat in my face. And for those of you watching live now on twitch.tv slash shampoo, my face is really slimmed down going down from 193 to 175. And you can see it. In my older TikToks from earlier this year to right now, whenever there's a picture of me or a video of me on TikTok, I look significantly different having lost, what, like 20 pounds almost? So all I'm saying is, even though we talk about gaming all the time, don't neglect taking care of yourself. I'm not talking about Kilo specifically because you walk, but if you're playing Warzone eight hours a day and you never leave the house, then that's you're who I'm talking to. I do think it's just good for you to just also get out and leave the house, even if it's not necessarily entertaining. I think it's just generally good for you, like putting aside even even if you're like outside of the the body standards, because none of this stuff is like objectively necessarily like the ideal. This is all kind of ingrained, but sometimes I go for it anyways. Um, but just it's nice to just leave the house sometimes, literally touch grass. Yeah. Or touch something that looks like grass. Yeah, I like going out, and I'm excited to go down to L.A. Uh, but on the flip side of things, I want to talk a little bit about... I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a prediction here. We were incredibly wrong on the Early Access podcast, what, dozens of episodes ago, when I, I said when the pandemic first started, what was it, t- March 2020? I said, Kuehler, this will be over in a month or two months or whatever. And Kuehler's like, oh, I don't know. It'll be over this summer, maybe. And now we're here. No, I said, late, said late summer. summer. I said summer or like October, if I was really being pessimistic. Yeah, Keeler, Keeler was the more pessimistic <laughs> out of the two of us. And now we're here November 16, 2021, and we are still not looking so good. I saw this tweet from someone, uh, Colorado COVID numbers at all-time highs. I run, uh, I run in to pick up a sandwich. Jesus Christ, I can't read. This is from Agent Tinsley on Twitter. Colorado COVID numbers at all-time highs. I run in to pick up a pre-ordered sandwich for lunch. 40 people in this snarf sandwich shop and not a goddamn mask in sight, assholes. I I was in Colorado also. Uh, I don't remember how many months ago, but it was a couple of months ago at this point. And there really was no mask wearing. Like It was a big dip in the cases at the time. But going from California to Colorado was very, very different because there was no one wearing masks indoors or anything. And I looked at their numbers. They are going up and up. So to make another bold prediction, last year around Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's time, we had a massive, horrific spike in the U.S. 
And I think that's certainly going to happen again. And one of the reasons I'm really worried about it... It feels like we're heading yeah. that way. Uh, one of the reasons I'm really worried about it is Pokemon sanctioned events for the video game and the trading card game. Official events are supposed to be coming back in the spring of 2022. Uh, there's some regionals that are already scheduled. And I would hate for those events, which are kind of like conventions in a way, but everyone's there to play Pokemon... I would hate for those to get canceled and be pushed back because Christmas and Thanksgiving go so horrific, whether it's unvaccinated people flying around or people stop wearing their masks or we all start coughing on grandma at the dinner table or you're see, the thing is I'm not worried about a lot of people who are traveling because Thanksgiving and Christmas are family based events. I'm worried that they have that anti-vax uncle or that anti-vax grandpa or aunt who's just going to fuck it up for everyone and get a portion of the, them sick or maybe the kids and then these events that are planned. Or just the ones that just did something stupid. Yeah. I, I read online, which means this may or may not be true, but I mean, it seems sincere of like, they're all going around to Thanksgiving and they're setting up the table and then it's like some uncle or something who's like, oh, I hope this is going to be good. I haven't tasted anything for days. He just starts licking everything and coughing on all the food. And then just no, but like the whole the whole family just falls dead silence. Like, dude, oh, oh. how do you not know? Has, how do you know? Tasted anything for days? No, I got it. I got it. No, yeah, you 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 go up and you're like like he's cheery, you know. It's like oh, I haven't tasted anything in days. I hope this is gonna be like you know even more flavorful or something. But yeah, some. Then everyone just has to like stare and be like, oh, like now you know. You've all got it. This was pre-vaccine. The days. COVID precautions that are in place at the production that I'm going to in LA are not the same as that of the Thanksgiving dinner table. And so I am very afraid. I had a family. I had family stop by my mother's house in California. They stopped by, by the way, they're from Florida, and they actually stopped by without warning, by the way. They just, like, oh knocked God, on the from door Florida? and said, hey, we're here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or no, they called at the airport. They say, hey, we're at the airport. Come, can you come pick us up? Um, what? Like, I, the, the real story is I think they, were, they told someone to tell my mother... But then that person never told my mother, so then they, she just got a phone call saying we're at the airport <laughs> from relatives that were not supposed to be showing up. But point was, relatives from Florida visited relatives in California, and the relatives from Florida were, like, shocked at the amount of mask wearing there was, the fact that they wore them at all, which is a little worrying. The Florida family was surprised that we wore masks here? Yeah, like, just at all. Like, the fact that... Just seeing people masked is like a sight that you don't get in Florida, effectively. Wow. That's terrifying. It it really comes to show how big the U.S. is and how different cultures are, even amongst different parts of California or the East Coast to the West or Florida to California. That's insane that they're part of the same country as us. Yeah. Anyway. Well, cases have dipped a little bit in the U.S., but I imagine it'll go up. They're going up here, too, but only a bit. The point is... But who knows what they'll turn into. I would really hate for this to get so bad that we start shutting down events again, again. TwitchCon is planned. Pokemon events are planned. I know. Like, things, are, things are getting planned. Yeah, I think everyone's starting to plan things for 2022, like, with optimism. But I really just don't want that to fall apart. Yeah, and my prediction is it's going to fall apart. Now, I hope we come back to this again and I'm wrong because I was wrong the first time. Oh, COVID will be over in two months. So I hope I'm wrong on this one. But if I come back on this show and I say, hey, TwitchCon was canceled, we're going to do a from the Twitch partner. The vaccine did did did. uh, I was wrong with my pessimism on the vaccine because I was not expecting it. I was thinking the best case or the optimistic scenario of the vaccine is that it would be out by summer of 2021. Like, that's when we would make a breakthrough of it. And then, but then with production, it would, wouldn't be until like the end of 2021. But it ended up just coming out at the end of 2020. So that part, at least I was happily, I was happily wrong about that. Hopefully I'm wrong this time too, sweet. And the pessimistic scenario was just we never could figure it out how to make one. And then we all just got COVID. We all just, no, see, capitalism, I believe would fuel a vaccine eventually. Someone is going to want to make money off of this, so it will eventually come out. Yeah, someone would eventually want to make money, but it's the question of, like, we had never made a vaccine for a coronavirus, so I guess the question was, like, is it just physically possible to do this, you know? Okay. Since this isn't the CDC podcast, let's talk a little bit about Call of Duty. Yeah. (laughs) So, Call of Duty, I... 
I have not purchased Vanguard, but all of Cold War and all of Warzone is just an advertisement for Vanguard. It's hilarious the amount of Vanguard advertised. First off, when you're in the menu in the bottom right where they have a little message of the day, it's like buy Vanguard, which is kind of okay. But as soon as you boot up Call of Duty Cold War, on the left, it says Vanguard and play. And then it, if you click play, then it leads you to go buy Vanguard. Like, it doesn't even boot up Cold War. It boots up a menu for all the recent COD games. And on the far left, and the default option is to click on Vanguard. So that's kind of annoying. But you go over to Cold War. Is it out? It is out now, yeah. You go over to Cold War, they have that little message oh, okay. in the I bottom right. But you go over to Warzone. And in Warzone, it's even crazier. Because they had a little cutscene hitting at Vanguard, which is cool and all. It tied into the ridiculous story. But... When you go through, there's this thing in Warzone called Red Doors. And if you go through a red door, it teleports you to another part of the map or it teleports you into the air where you can get a bunch of loot. And Richard will run through these all the time and get teleported to the other side of the map. We'll have to go rescue him. But as you go through the red door, they play this like flashback to World War II and a Pacific Island, and it's an advertisement for Vanguard. Like, as you're playing Warzone, you get this three-second advertisement as you're teleported across the map to to remind you that Vanguard exists. And the amount of advertising that you get for the new game, I'm taking this more from a marketing standpoint than I am a, oh, this is kind of annoying, even though it is a little annoying uh, context. They there's so much advertising for the new Call of Duty in this Call of Duty. We've never seen this before. When Black Ops One came out, what was the next game right after Black Ops One? It wasn't Black Ops Two, obviously. It was Modern Warfare Three, I believe. When Modern Warfare Three I think was coming been. out after Black Ops One, there was nothing in Black Ops One that was like, "All right, guys, time to move over by Black Ops Three. It was just, you know, they had the usual internet advertising. They bought some billboards and called it good. Marketing for gaming has really advanced in that they're trying to remind you at every corner that they want you to buy Vanguard. Now, I haven't purchased Vanguard because after all their advertising, all their cool clips and live streams and esports integrations and people watching, me watching people scrim on Twitch, there's one clip that made me go like, fuck this. And it was that clip on Twitter. Of a guy. He was playing, I think, the Vanguard equivalent of Nuketown. And he got a nuke. Mm -hmm. 30 kills in like 33 seconds. Because he got a shotgun. And just ran back and forth between these two spawns. (laughs) Sprinting at full speed. Firing the shotgun from the hip. Killing everyone in front of him in one shot. Melting six people. He killed six people. 12 people. 24 people. 30... He just ran back and forth, killing six people each go, swapping from shotgun to shotgun, sprinting back and forth. That did not look like fun and engaging gameplay to me. Also, the bayonet is so unbelievably powerful right now. You can lunge at people from commando level distances. Back in Modern Warfare 2, there was this third perk called Commando, which made your knifing range insane. And then you could pair your knife with a tactical knife, so you'd run around with a pistol, but a knife in your other hand, so you could stab people faster. Well, now, they have this bayonet charge in the game, where you can queue up your, your stab, and then start sprinting at people. You can't shoot during this time. But as soon as someone enters your maximum... Uh, bayoneting range it automatically stabs them so there's no skill involved you don't even need to time it and it's so ridiculous that you can stab someone on the second floor of a building from the first floor it has so much range and kill them lethally there can be I saw this clip of a guy standing in the middle of like a big fountain and the guy with the bayonet reaches over and stabs him and kills him Uh, this game there's just so much weird shit going on in the game and it's exactly it's just an improved version of Modern Warfare 2019 multiplayer. Like back in my day, at least the advanced movement CODs all had advanced movement, but it was different movement. Advanced Warfare had uh, like a very quick jump up, whereas Black Ops 3 had more of a more of a boost kind of thing. And so each game kind of had its own flavor still, whereas this game is Modern Warfare 2019 with a World War II skin, and they put in a trillion more attachments. So I'm kind of tired of the modern warfare style multiplayer but i am looking forward to the war zone if only for the anti-cheat because we ran into 50 trillion hackers last night but there's another i think little known controversy going on with vanguard 
This has nothing to do with game balance and bayonets reaching 30 feet across the map. So, Modern Warfare 2019. Keeler, correct me if any of this is wrong. But there's a big controversy about the Highway of Death. And in the game, they said that the Russians did it. When in real life, the Americans yes. did it. Do you, do you remember more about this? Yes, that was true. Yes, I do remember that. Okay. So, the Americans did it in in real life but the russians did it in the game it was just a it was just a blatant lie do you think Kuehler, that this year's call of duty vanguard insensitive detail controversy is less offensive or more offensive than that than of modern warfare 2019 well, what is I'll, it? i'll tell you what it is but do you think it could be worse I guess honestly i think it could be worse like i don't think it's the it, when when they did the Russian the Highway of Death Russian controversy, it was kind of in passing. It was a little detail. It wasn't like a big thing. They weren't really playing into it. It was in a cutscene, yeah. It was just falsified history. Yeah, I was like, it wasn't even like the main part of the cutscene or anything. So, I think you can definitely do worse. Okay, now of course this is very subjective, but I'm going to agree with you. I know what it is, and it is worse. So here's what happened. Okay. Uh. The Rami, uh, T-H-A underscore Rami on Twitter says, could we please just not put text from the Quran on the ground or in places where people can walk on it? Even if you think religion is nonsense, there's just no reason to be disrespectful towards 2 billion people's culture and beliefs in a video game for a throwaway asset. And I think this is a screenshot from Zombies where the Quran is sitting on a desk and then the desk can be broken uh, and then the Quran is laying on the ground. Uh, now, that part, I, I, I'm not 100% sure. It might actually just spawn on the ground, which is even worse. But there's a screenshot of it. And if you take a scope and zoom in, you can see the text. Uh, and it is apparently... I Now, I don't know anything about the Quran, but it is apparently from the Quran. Neither do I. So, Killer, do you... Th- I, I would argue that this is worse than lying about the highway of death. Because apparently... Now, I'm... It possibly could be. It po- but I don't know enough about the religion to, like, know the... the- magnitude of the offenses that's happening here and like the, what it means to them so, maybe it's yeah. worse maybe it's worse for some people for those of you who don't know i was raised catholic i'm at this point i'm like there's a flying spaghetti monster in the sky i have no idea what's going on but uh reading through the twitter comments uh, rami comments again later quran on a table would have been fine that's the quran is supposed to go the bible doesn't have any rules where it should go the quran does uh, and that was in response to someone saying, I wonder if 2 billion people would have moaned if it was the Bible. I have read the Bible because I was raised Catholic and I don't think anyone cares where the Bible is, uh, whether it's on the ground or in a pew or what. I mean, generally, I guess it would be disrespectful for it to be on the ground. But supposedly the Quran has explicit rules for it to not be on the ground. And it is in Call of Duty Vanguard and people can step on it. And so that was a big uh, thing. Now, people were saying this is why we need diverse teams because someone would have caught this. Uh, I don't know if such a small detail, would, even if there was someone who would have caught it on the team, it, it's such a small detail that I'm not sure if anyone would have seen it. I never look at the ground in, in, in any Call of Duty, and especially zombies because I'm running around and you know usually training zombies all over the map. But we'll see if they end up ever changing this in Call of Duty Vanguard because uh, I'm not disputing the fact that it was disrespectful to a culture that I don't have a lot of understanding of. Um, but the people who are a part of that culture says it is disrespectful. And thus, I will assume that they are correct and not lying to me and making a big deal out of nothing because this is going around the internet. So uh, once again, Call of Duty. And I think Cold War didn't have any major controversy. I think they went one year without offending a major group of people. They didn't put Reagan in it. Uh, well, Reagan existed in real life, so that's not... Yeah, exactly, and it offends oh, okay. me. <laughs> yeah, Reagan was... <laughs> oh, see, Reagan was in one... Co- oh, he had a couple lines, though. Okay. He did have a couple lines, and I think it was... It's also just the... Yeah, honestly, it wasn't that offensive. It was a really generic, like, oh, we're going to play the CIA, and they kind of made it a little morally ambiguous, which, fine. And, and now... But I think no one really paid attention to Cold War much regardless, no. so maybe that's also kind of why, too. Is, so if there was something, like, minorly offensive, probably there wasn't enough eyes on it to really Is what it. Reagan did more offensive than lying about the highway of death? We're trying to rank these now. 
Is Reagan in Cold War, I guess? I actually forget exactly what you're Is Reagan in Cold War? Was Reagan in... No, that's not that offensive. It's just kind of like I had to... They really modeled his face really well. So that's you know? pretty offensive. So Treyarch wins. Treyarch, is the, Treyarch has released the least offensive recent Call of Duty. Oh, no, no, I take it. No, no, no. I I'm going to put... So. The, I got to put, put them no? in second place. I think Infinity Ward and the Highway of Death was the least offensive because the marshals in Cold War are so unbelievable. They're so unbelievably offensive. It's a double barrel shotgun that you can dual wield that one shots from an unbelievable range. It's like mini model 1887s and they're never going to patch it because Cold War is not the most recent caught anymore. They're just done with that game. The zombies team is now working on Vanguard zombies. So, uh, it's like a, it's like a, like a wheel of fortune. Where like, but like every time as the wheel goes by, it's another weapon that gets overpowered, and then gets like, you know, then gets patched, and then over, another one gets overpowered and yep. then patched, and then when the, when the Call of Duty cycle ends, whichever gun happens to be overpowered at the time, that's the one that's just gonna stay there. <laughs> yeah, they're never gonna fix it. I mean, hopefully they eat my words when they do, but uh, it's making me like really not want to play Cold War because it's so unbelievably powerful. Anyway, there's always some gun. It seems like they're just yeah, it's a little cycle, right? Uh, we. They fix one gun and make some other gun super powerful. We started off with some softball stories, and I'm ramping up the offensiveness of the uh, of the podcast. We are now going to go into some breaking news Activision shit that came out today. Uh, Jen O'Neill, this is from uh, Jason. Actually labeled Activision shit in our show notes. I did label it as Activision shit in the show notes, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce Jason's last name, but he's a Jason S-C-H-R-E-I-R. Schreer? I don't I have no idea, yeah. actually. I've never heard anyone so, say it. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast, God forbid, <laughs> I apologize. If, you're listening to this po- if anyone listening to this podcast, I apologize. Anyway, Jason uh, <laughs> says on Twitter, Jen O'Neill, who was made co-founder of Blizzard following the sexual discrimination lawsuit this summer and resigned two weeks ago, said she was paid less than her male co-leader. She was made co-leader of Blizzard because of the accusations uh, accusations of women being paid less and treated unfairly and then she was paid less than her male counterpart and treated unfairly and then left Un- unbelievable on the accounting department and the uh, CEO but Just everyone's department it's like this is if you're gonna like you have the one example that you can have as like a counter right because then when people complain they say like hey we're you're an unfair company to women you can be like but we have a co-founder a co-owner you know who gets paid and is is treated well and you had like your your one chance to have like an actually good example and they still fuck that up with like the most high profile person they could do it to that is just a very very poor foresight on their part i'll say okay so we have a ton of other accusations that came out this is going to be a lot of reading buckle down i read this i read this article actually I, I realize you can read unethical journalism hack. You can read articles behind a paywall by going to an internet archive site, entering that URL, and then it'll pop up and save uh, the contents of that. That is how I always do it. I didn't by the know way. that. I'm, I'm a dumbass. I and I, I've gone yeah. to journalism school, yeah. kind of. I went to broadcast. Go to archive.is. Yep. You can put the link either. You can search for the link. And if it's a popular article, probably someone's already archived it. Or you can archive it and then it's gonna it's just gonna run the thing for a little bit i but yeah you can actually just do that it's a way to get around paywalls. i literally went to broadcast journalism school and did not know this and i wish someone had told me now i don't feel bad doing this to the wall street journal i would feel bad doing it to like a, a small indie like i read pokemon articles where it's like oh five dollars a month we'll let you read all the pokemon articles from pro players like okay okay leave them alone yeah, if you, if you like the, the reporting on a website and you like the journalists, please do like find ways to support them because, God, they could really use the money. But so many publications are just really shitty that this is why I'm advertising how to get around their paywalls yes. because some of these organizations do not deserve I money. do not care about the Wall Street Journal, but Pokey Beach, like small Pokemon sites, these guys who are like 21 in college writing Pokemon articles, like give them five bucks, bro, come on. So anyway, uh, this is from at Ben Fritz, one of the contributing authors uh, of this gigantic sexual misconduct article on uh, Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. I'm going to read some of the highlights here. Bobby Kotick uh, is who the guy everyone hates. Uh, He's the CEO of Activision Blizzard. He said that, uh, or Ben reports, 
A lawyer of the former employee at Sledgehammer Games, an Activision-owned studio they made Advanced Warfare, alleged in the email that her client had been raped in 2016 and 2017 by her male supervisor after she had been pressured to consume too much alcohol in the office and at work events. The female employee reported the incidents to Sledgehammer's Human Resources Department and other supervisors, but nothing happened, according to the email, which threatened a lawsuit against the company. Uh, We have some other... Horrific stories coming out from the uh, women who have worked there. Uh, The Jen O'Neill story. Uh, In August, Activision named a longtime employee, Jennifer O'Neill, to be Blizzard's co-lead, making her the first woman to lead one of the company's business units. The following month, she sent an email to a member of Activision's legal team in which she professed a lack of faith in Activision's leadership to turn the culture around, saying it was clear the company would never prioritize our people in the right way. She said in the email she had been sexually harassed early in her career at Activision. She was paid less than her male counterpart at the helm of Blizzard and wanted to discuss her resignation. This is the good part. I've been tokenized, marginalized, and discriminated against, wrote Mr. Neal, who is Asian American and gay. They put her up there and didn't give her money. Very unfortunate. And then there's some other stuff. I, I, I think there's one about a strip club somewhere down here. Here's a big one. Here's a big one. This is one I'm pissed off about personally. Dan Bunting, co-head of Activision's Treyarch Studio, as you know, my favorite Call of Duty developer, was accused by a female employee of sexually harassing her in 2017 after a night of drinking, according to people familiar with the incident. Activision's Human Resources Department and other supervisors launched an internal investigation in 2019 and recommended that he be fired, but Mr. Kodak intervened to stop, to keep him, these people said. Mr. Bunting, who led track through the production of several successful Call of Duty games, at the time I looked it up, he was probably working on Black Ops 4 at this time, was given counseling and allowed to remain at the company. Mr. Bunting was working on Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and I remember there was a time when we were we were angry that a patch wasn't coming out for Black Ops 4 and an update for Blackout at the time. It was just taking way too long, and I stopped playing Black Ops 4 earlier in its life cycle than I would have stopped playing other Call of Duties because they are just taking too long to put out a patch. And now we can see that they were too busy harassing their female employees to work on their fucking game. I was telling Kewl earlier that a lot of times people pop on the internet and they say, oh, why are you guys releasing skins and battle pass and stuff like that? Why don't you just fix bugs? And people always say, well, the guys who work on bugs don't make the skins. That's just totally different departments. So they can release skins while they still work on patches. They need to they need to stop harassing their female employees so they can get to work and that their leadership can lead and they can get fucking anti-cheat in Call of Duty faster. Last night we played five games, I think ran into three hackers. And I remember saying to the squad, this is unbelievable, the number of hackers we're running into. And everyone said, no, this is, this is believable. This is a very typical night. And it was still very frustrating. But the anti-cheat is coming in December. And I feel like if they spent a little less time fighting lawsuits, or actually a lot of, a lot of the ways that these uh, things that are taken to court, a lot of the ways that they're resolved is they're resolved out of court or with settlements. And so if they would... Spend less time yes, fucking true. with people and more time working on their actual game. We might actually have a Call of Duty game as good as Black Ops 2 or 3 come out eventually. But no, apparently Activision Blizzard and Treyarch and Sledgehammer are all too busy fucking with their female employees. It's their new, it's their new excuse. Whenever something is wrong with a video game in this industry, given that it cannot be trusted, we're just going to blame it on the fact that someone's been harassing women instead of doing their job. And you know what? It might not even be a joke. It might actually be true. It might actually be true to some level. And honestly, like, you kick good people out. You, like, push people good mm-hmm. push good people out of the industry when you do this kind of thing. Because you kind of just invite a culture of these kind of people in. So that's my serious version of saying this, that, like, it does actually harm the actual industry you're trying to build up. But also, it's just my frustration when I see an unfinished video game from any of these companies is going to be that they must have been harassing women instead of working on the video game. And this goes for pretty much every industry. I mean, even in retail, like, a bad manager is going to have good employees leave but when you're dealing with hundreds and thousands of employees at a big scale, right? And we're not talking about a... Silicon Valley started because of a bad boss. Oh, yeah, that's true. Kind of. 
Like, yeah, so, yeah, because William Shockley, who was one of the inventors of the transistor, who moved to the Silicon Valley, what we now know as Silicon Valley, to start a company, and he sucked. So eight of his employees left and started companies, and some of those became, like, the biggest chip manufacturers. So I was saying when this scales to a CEO being a shithead and then it trickles, you know, it's not a small team, it's not a small business where it's like a local game store has a sleazy manager and he's screwing around with his four employees. We're talking about a, a CEO supporting these kinds of decisions. There's there's a lot going on here. And a really big one too, like Activision Blizzard as a merger is massive. Uh, the individual companies were already massive when they merged it just became like the big gaming company and then even then like other ones too riot who does league like also got a ton of shit sent their way so like a ton of these gigantic companies just keep coming out as being pretty awful places with environment mm-hmm. i know people at ubisoft personally who've been uh they i don't i don't know if they're kicked off their team cuz you know they protect the assholes but i know people from ubisoft who were uh, either kicked off their team or just fried on the internet for being uh, absolute shitheads. So it's it's not just Activision and Riot and Ubisoft. But anyway, in 2020, about 30 female employees who worked in Activision's esports division wrote an email to their unit's leader saying female employees had been subject to unwanted touching, demeaning comments, exclusion from important meetings. Now that doesn't even make any sense. Don't you want to make fucking money, bro? Like, don't you want to be able to do their job? That's my point. Then this is what I'm saying. Like this ruins your own industry. You're hurting. You're hurting your own industry by doing let, this. Let, let them come to the meetings, <laughs> you fucking dicks. And unsolicited comments on their appearance. That's 30 women in the esports division. Uh, this is a good one. Bobby Kotick himself has been accused of mistreating women who worked for him, including telling a former assistant in a voicemail that he would have her killed. And then an Activision spokeswoman said, "Spokeswoman." Mr. Kodak quickly apologized 16 years ago for the obviously hyperbolic and inappropriate voicemail in which he deeply regrets the exaggeration and tone in his voicemail today. I have never told someone I worked with that I'm going to fucking kill them. Yeah, this is something that I've ever had an issue with. And then... And certainly if I ever did that, I don't think I would get to keep my job. No, no. Ideally not. Uh, In 2007... Yeah, if I told someone, like, I'm going to kill you... I'm probably done. I'm probably playing a game of Warzone. And then I'm getting deported. I'm, I'm, I'm in Warzone in the gulag. I'm going to fucking kill you. But other than that, I'm not going to kill you, bro. In 2007, Bobby Kotick was sued by the flight attendant on a private jet he co-owned. The flight attendant claimed that the pilot, the plane's pilot sexually harassed her. And after he complained to the other owner, Mr. Kotick fired her. He wasn't, he wasn't even doing the sexual assaulting in this part. He was just now he's also backing up. It's your private jet. Just literally just, just chill, you know? You have a whole plane to yourself. It was the pilot doing it to the flight attendant. And then... What's the pilot? Should, why is the pilot not flying the plane? <laughs> well, the plane's on autopilot. Like, That's concerning, actually. How do you have time to sexually harass the flight attendant? You fly the fucking plane, buddy. I know, oh my God. <laughs> anyway, they settled by paying the flight attendant, uh, flight attendant $200,000. Uh, employees pointed out two reasons for misconduct at Activision, workplace drinking and a culture in which game studios long operated with little interference in their operations, including HR, in the belief that it would help them make hits. Let me tell you, with the recent games that have been coming out, fuck no. Everyone's mad at WoW. Everyone's mad at uh, Vanguard. He forged his reputation by acquiring successful development studios behind popular gaming franchises. Mr. Kodak long allowed those studios to operate as independently as possible, which he believed would foster the development of games. Former employees at several studios said such behavior, uh, behavior such as workplace drinking, comments about women's appearances, and the sharing of explicit context, uh, content. We know that one woman killed herself because they were sharing pictures of literally her vagina. And staff organized trips to strip clubs were common. And they didn't feel comfortable complaining to human resources. The Activision spokesperson said human resources began reporting directly to corporate office in 2019. And that the prior setup occasionally allowed some employees to conduct themselves in truly regrettable ways. Uh, And then here's one very last detail. Since the California lawsuit, Activision has received more than 500 reports. Yeah, we occasionally got some bad people. More than 500 reports from current and former employees alleging harassment, sexual assault, bullying, pay disparities, and other issues, according to people familiar with the matter. 
The Activision spokeswoman said the company is investigating the claims using teams from both inside and outside the company. Look, it's really, it's really unavoidable. I, I mean, I'm playing Warzone. They own World of Warcraft. They're working on Overwatch and Overwatch 2. In fact, they announced Overwatch 2 is kind of a smoke bomb when all of this shit was coming out. They're like, oh, look, we're working on Overwatch 2. Uh, I know you guys are all mad at us, but look, we're working on Overwatch 2. They announced that. And then I think it was a, maybe a week or two ago, they announced that Overwatch 2 was delayed. Well, it was delayed because you didn't have anything to show and that it was a smoke bomb for all of the issues coming out right now. I believe today that there is a walkout going on um, because of these new reports from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so anyway, Activision, uh, not a great place. I mean, it's hard uh, to get over the cognitive dissonance of I'm going to play Call of Duty and also that they are absolutely harassing the shit out of their employees. Now, I actually don't spend any money on Call of Duty. I never buy skins, as you guys know, and I'm not going to be picking up Vanguard. You buy the game. That's well, funny. yeah. I, actually, I don't buy... I bought Cold War. That was the last time they got money out of me. I'm not going to be buying any skins. I'm not going to be buying any, uh, any, any hacks. Actually, they don't sell the hacks. Maybe... I, would that be... Would that be good? Would that if in, to stand in solidarity with the women at Activision? What if I bought hacks and just hacked in Warzone to drive people off of the game? Is that no? I'm not going to do that. But people don't ever get caught for the purpose of driving people off of the game. Maybe but I. They don't ban people. I mean, just don't shoot the dummies. Oh my god! They they have this stupid. Not nah, to talk about the dummies. They have this stupid. I don't know if this is actually an anti-cheat measure, but until they actually put in the anti-cheat into freaking Warzone in December, they put dummies around the map, and these dummies are people-shaped. And the rumor is that if you have aimbot, you'll lock onto these dummies and headshot them a bunch of times, and that'll flag your account for manual review. So we were in a firefight the other day in stadium and I'm running through stadium and I see a person on the bleachers and I lock onto him and start shooting. And then I realize I'm not getting any hit markers. Turns out it's one of these fucking anti-hacker dummies that I just shot in the head three times. And then a couple games after that, we got hackers in our lobbies because what they do is they put suspected hackers with other suspected hackers, but I'm not hacking. So I was just giving myself a hard time fighting and getting beamed by other hackers. It's such horseshit. I don't even know if that's true, and that's why they have those dummies around the map. But I shot at one of them and uh, wasted a bunch of ammo and then ran into more hackers. So that's my anecdotal evidence. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, this is horrific. Just try not to be an asshole. That's all. That's all I have to say. All right, a little bit of a palate cleanser. If I can give a moral oh, to ahead, this, if I can give a moral to this, though, it's that literally the civility of society as we have seen is being threatened by the fact that people can't stop harassing women like we read the stories about the video games your video games aren't being patched your planes aren't being flown properly like who knows what else is being your is your food not being cooked properly <laughs> what else is going on if we could just stop harassing women maybe everything will start working have we have we thought about that, guys? Or is that, like, that, that meme of, like, the world if X happened and it's, like, the super utopian world? It's, like, this is where we'd be, probably, if men would just stop harassing <laughs> women. Just stop being dick. There's a big Smash tournament over the weekend, too, where some alleged uh, pedophiles and, and sexual harassers in the Smash community were playing. Now, I'm not super tuned into the Smash community, so I can't... I don't know who, who's been vindicated. I know a friend of a friend came under fire for one of those things and he was actually legitimately like, falsely accused so i'm always very careful uh, about those kinds of things because i know people personally actually i'm not going to say his name but someone that you know keeler who i know he's closer to me than you um was accused of doing something very very bad and then he showed the receipts that what he did was not bad and therefore I know he didn't do anything bad, but you know the stigma always sticks around. I possibly know, but you can tell me yeah, after. The stigma always sticks around when you know someone accuses someone of something. If they prove themselves to not have done it, then the stigma, the people who haven't gotten the update, are still going to think that, that person's a bad person. So, but anyway, I I, I think some yeah. actual bad people were playing the Smash tournament recently, and uh, yeah, those those people don't, don't don't fuck with minors, bro. Like, what do you what do you want me to? Come on, dude. That's Chris Hansen's whole job, his whole thing, was catching people like you. 
And To Catch a Predator was so popular. And you guys are still doing it. There are people... I love To Catch a Predator. There are people like To Catch a Predator who got caught twice. Like, come on, guys. Let's work this through. You have, I've <laughs> never seen Chris Hansen. I, I don't think he's doing too well nowadays. But anyway. Okay. The point is that nothing can be trusted. No. All right? Is is next time you're on a plane, you gotta check on the check on the pilot, right? Is he actually in the cockpit? Yeah. Or is he with one of the flight attendants doing shit again? Like I think they actually do that. I saw on TikTok, not a great source of information. If if a flight course. attendant and a pilot consensually want to join the Mile High Club, uh, then they coordinate it with the rest of the crew. Like they legitimately tell the rest of the crew and they go to like the little quarters and get the job done because there only needs to be one pilot in there at a time. Cause it's always two pilots. And I think a flight attendant fills in the other seat. And so you literally have, yeah, I think you need to, I think you need two people in the cockpit. Look, if, if it's consensual and you plan this whole thing, then that's fine. Right. But if you got to be sleazy about it, like you don't know what kind of rules you're breaking, what kind of safety measures you're breaking. Right. Like, I know people can get the whole flight crew on board with it. Like you literally have two two literal wingmen flying the plane for you while you, you know, do the deed in the captain's cabin. I mean, yeah, but that's fine because they get it done. But like, was the private jet pilot doing this? You know, do we not know? Did he like step out and just be like, oh, nothing's in the air in front of me? And it's just <laughs> nothing's in the air in front of me. Hopefully not. I mean, you're right most of the time, but the one time you're wrong, we have a real fucking problem, dude. All right. I think most planes generally fly themselves in general, yeah. but like you know, you never know. Like we got planes crashing because the software doesn't know what to do and shit. I played Microsoft Flight Simulator, and they certainly do fly themselves. Exactly. I mean, I'm not a pilot. Maybe, maybe the fact, maybe the whole Boeing controversy, maybe the fact that their code was falling apart is because maybe their their executives were harassing women instead of checking the code. Now I don't get paid shit to do this. Just nothing can be trusted. I don't get paid shit to do this podcast. I do look into things more than just the headline. I'll try to read a little bit, get my own opinion, like check a couple other people's tweets. I get most of my news from Twitter, unsurprisingly. Uh, this one I haven't looked into at all. This is truly just a palate cleanser. I just want to read this headline: Lawmakers drink raw milk to celebrate its legality. Immediately become sick. Uh, Pat McGeehan, Republican of West Virginia's first district. One of the lawmakers who fell ill after drinking raw milk. So, a little about milk. It's supposed to be pasteurized before you drink it. Like, you can't just drink it straight out of the cow's titty because it has bacteria and stuff. So, the process of pasteurizing milk um, makes it so that it is safer for people to drink. I don't know why they ran through a law allowing you to drink raw milk. I think, no, I think it should be legal to drink raw milk no matter what. I think you should, it should be legal to drink whatever the fuck you want, as long as it doesn't cause you to, I don't know, like explode <laughs> and therefore get get your stupid brain juice on other people. So I don't I don't know why raw milk was illegal in the first place. You should just you should just biologically and intuitively be smart enough to just not drink milk straight out of a cow's titty. I haven't even ever had the opportunity to do that. I have never been within ten feet of a cow in in order to obtain that milk. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he drank and got sick. I think I have tried it once, actually, because usually when they go to, like, farms or something and they, like, milk a cow and you can, like, try try the milk. I mean, you're not drinking, like, a whole bottle of it, right? You get a sip? Something? Yeah, you get, like, a oh, sip. Oh, yeah, this guy... I think to, to some people it's not too bad, but it's definitely, like, a... It's it's like getting a taco from, like, the taco truck, right? Like, you're kind of risking yourself <laughs> It's there, a little bit of a... You know? You don't know what can go on here. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, you you're, you know there's going to be a risk involved here, and it might not always sit well with you. Milk doesn't sit very well with me, so... Well, anyway, don't drink raw milk, I guess. What have we learned today so far, Keeler? Don't harass women, don't drink raw milk, and don't shoot the dummies in the stadium. I think those are the three things we've picked up on so far. Yeah, that's about it. All right. That's about it. Here's a good story. Here's something that I actually agree with. I'm going to agree with Facebook for once. I'm hearing reports that Meta, Facebook, is halting the approval of VR rhythm games on the Quest Store due to having too many. Developers will still be able to pu- publish these experiences on App Labs. App Labs is uh, a, think of the store, but it's an extension of the store where unapproved things go up. And so you can just put whatever on there. Now, I... I'm super in favor of this. There are way too many Beat Saber bullshit clones out there. There are way too many rhythm games out there that serve no value to the VR rhythm gaming community. It is truly just a ripoff. Now, here's the thing. If you wanted to rip off Beat Saber, you better be doing it in a way that's completely unique and mind-blowing. Because if it's not, 
people are just going to keep playing Beat Saber. You can't release Beat Saber and say, oh, we added uh, customizable multiplayer hangout rooms. You know, you can add features, but you need to do user research and figure out if this is a feature that people actually want. And it has to be a feature big enough for them to overcome the friction of transitioning from one game to another game and then putting more hours in your game than Beat Saber. And that's not the case with many, many of these rhythm games. I've seen so many of them that are on the Steam store or otherwise they're just block slashing simulators when Beat Saber has done it the best. They have great haptic feedback, tons of songs, tons of deals from well-known artists. One of the big criticisms when I showed Beat Saber way back in the day when it only had 10 songs and no one heard of it, no one was playing the game, was when it only had 10 songs, a lot of the criticism that when I showed people the game was I wish there was music that I've heard of before. Now, I disagree with that. I like playing music and rhythm games that I hadn't listened to before. But I can see where they're coming from. And so Beat Saber has a lot of mainstream music. They have Green Day, Billie Eilish, God Forbid, Imagine Dragons. So that anyone who wants to kind of listen to something that they're familiar with has a genre of music that that they like. And so it's easier to get into Beat Saber. They have different color swords. They have multiplayer in the game already. It's a fully fleshed out game. And there are tons of other games out there that are just Beat Saber with less features. Or Beat Saber, but just worse. And... I'm glad that they're just trash and everyone trying to capitalize on the popularity of Beat Saber needs to stop and let's let's take our creative endeavors and the this one of the strengths of indie game development is being being able to be unique and develop an experience that hasn't been done before. Eye of the Temple just came out and this is a VR game that you play in a three meter by three meter space. Sorry, I'm not a European, so I might be wrong on that. But it's a, it's a relatively small space, nine feet by nine feet. And you play the entire game by walking around in a nine feet, nine foot by nine foot space. That, And then you solve little puzzles with your torch and your whip and stuff. But all of the movement in the game, you simply walk around in your room. And the game does a great job of tricking you of walking back and forth within the same space. Because what it'll do is, let's say you're in the middle of your nine foot by nine foot square and you take a step forward. The game does a great job of tricking you of walking backwards. They're these little rolling, uh, they're kind of like wheels on the ground. And when you're walking on a rolling wheel, if you think of a wheel going forward, what do you do? If you walk forward and the wheel is going forward, you fall off the wheel. If you walk backwards while you're standing on a wheel going forwards, you'll keep your position on the wheel as it's rolling forward, and therefore you will move backwards in your play space. And it sets it up cleverly so that you never move outside of the designated area that you're playing in. So you walk through what feels like just miles of temple, and you you get taken up and down vertically but you're just walking back and forth in the same place. And it's such a cool and unique VR concept where you're not moving via a trackpad or a stick. You're moving using your actual body. And it feels like you're exploring tons of space while you are literally just walking back and forth in your room. That was developed by one guy. Now, it took him four or five years to do it, but it was a great game. It was super innovative. And there are all these small indie game developers just trying to cash out really quickly but not making something new. And I think that's one of the strengths of small team development. When you don't have to answer to a publisher, when you don't have to answer to uh, you know, stockholders and all those kinds of people, when it's truly just a passion project and you want it to be something you enjoy, I, I feel like that's where indie development shines. And by everyone just sitting out, copying VR rhythm games, copying Beat Saber and Pistol Whip. Well, no one's copying Pistol Whip. Pistol Whip's a bit harder to, harder to copy. There's literally... GitHub tutorials on how to just make a Beat Saber clone in VR. And I feel like there are people out there who literally make a Beat Saber clone using that GitHub tutorial and then try to sell it. And it's just not going to go anywhere. A lot of these game developers are making games and they don't love games. They don't love VR. They haven't played a bunch of VR. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing this. And they're they're just doing it for a cash grab. And I think a lot of the community recognizes that. And that's why their games aren't popular. And I'm glad that a lot of this trash now has to go through an extra hoop of uh, not being approved on the Quest Store. And that's actually a huge portion of game sales. I know that game sales on the Quest 
versus on PC VR, it's like 10 times. Being locked out of the Quest store is huge for VR game developers. It is a ridiculous amount they sell over Steam and over uh, other platforms. So being on the Quest store is extremely important. And if they can't be on there, hopefully they make something else because I'm so tired of their just random trash. Anyway, the last thing I want to talk about today, uh, I'll talk briefly about Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. The entire game has been leaked, pretty much. The entire Pokemon game that comes out on Friday, it's Tuesday right now, has been leaked already. And I'm really excited about it. Tons of people are angry. Pokemon players were all asking for Sinnoh remakes. We got Sinnoh remakes. Now they're all complaining. Sometimes complaints are justified. But there's a complaint going around where if you bought Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee and you bought Sword and Shield, at the very beginning of the game... They would then give you Jirachi and Mew, two mythical Pokemon, like really close to the beginning of the game. And people were complaining, oh my god, why are they making the game so easy? And I agree, Pokemon is a really easy game because it's a children's game. But that's not one of the things I'm mad about. You can simply not use them. You can use them if you want, but you can also decide to not use these incredibly powerful mythical Pokemon and steamroll the first couple gems. One thing I am excited about is that it has the hardest NPC trainer battles other than like, you know, things like where they reset trainers to level 100 like they did in Black and White 2. They have the hardest NPC trainer battles and apparently they're actually difficult in Pokemon history. Cynthia has level 88 Pokemon, which is tied for the highest level Pokemon in Pokemon uh, history. I think Red's Pikachu at the... At the end of Heart Gold, Soul Silver is also level 88. Cynthia's Garchomp is level 88, and it has all competitive moves, competitive EVs, and I think perfect IVs, which will actually make the battle legitimately difficult. I wouldn't be surprised if you just got level 100 Pokemon and eventually steamrolled her. Uh, but that's actually really cool that they're making something at the end of the game that will hopefully be difficult, because that's one of the reasons I love Temtem, and I really enjoy Temtem over Pokemon the video game, is because there's no challenge in the video game, aside from ranked and online play. Whereas in Temtem, the dojo rematches are actually hard. And Pokemon may have taken a page out of Temtem's book and made the Cynthia second Cynthia rematch uh, super hard. Similar to, to what Temtem is doing to kind of scale up their game. Temtem, I feel like, is doing Pokemon better than Pokemon. But these people bitching about Pokemon aren't playing Temtem. If you're bitching about Pokemon, you better be playing Temtem. Because Temtem is solving all your complaints, but people aren't playing it. I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying with uh, overthrowing Beat Saber. Is if you're going to make a Beat Saber clone, it has to be so much better than Beat Saber to catch on. And they're not doing that. Whereas Temtem is so much better than Pokemon. It's solving a lot of Pokemon players' complaints. But Kula, can you look up how many... Players are on Temtem on Steam right now. If you go to Steam charts. Yeah, let me look it up. Temtem. Also, regarding the whole, like, regarding this whole, like, kind of beating things, I remember that was actually how I started playing Bad Company when I played Bad Company 1. Oh, yeah. Which wasn't too well known. Obviously, it's a Battlefield game. It was popular, but it wasn't, like, the biggest thing at the time. And I got it because it was like, okay, the dice engine was new, the destructible environments were new and everything. And then when Modern Warfare 2 was getting, like, hacked to craziness, this is always my story on how I, like, got on Call of Duty. I'm like, I'm just going to play this other game. I think it's actually better. I think it's actually more fun and doesn't feel broken all the time. And then eventually all my friends figured it out, too, and they all moved. But it took them some time while they were just complaining about hackers. I did like Bad Company, too. Uh, the, like, because... But Bad Company 1 was actually I started yeah, yeah. with. That one I only got a I few people one. into. But then two, everyone everyone hopped into two because it was like fresh and they ended up loving it. I really liked uh, Bad Company 2. But yeah, so Temtem is solving all of Pokemon's problems. I mean, Pokemon's a gig- literally the biggest franchise in the world. But Temtem's so much better than Pokemon, yet it's so relatively not pop. I don't know a single other person who plays Temtem other than me. And I've tried to get other people into it. Uh, it has way less. It's got to be like a thousand, two thousand people on Steam. Have you found a killer? I'm still looking. It's on. Uh, it's on Discord also, so this isn't. There we go. Steam charts. Uh, it's not a greatest number, but current players in thirty day. Oh, the greatest. What's the thirty day average for for Temtem right now? Oh, I just clicked off of it. Granted. Oh, last thirty days four hundred and eighty seven. Four point four hundred eighty seven is the thirty day average. It's tiny. Now you got to keep in mind that. 
with a peak of 737 in the last 30 days. Yeah, there hasn't been a big patch that's Actually, come out really recently, so that uh, this is a this is a valley in the game's player base right now. Even I'm not playing it all the time. Uh, was there a patch in around April? I think so. If it blew up a lot, because there was a peak player count of 5,000 with an average of 2,000, and that's the local maxima for like this year. Yeah. So. Look at that's that's a game that's taking a lot of Pokemon players' complaints. It's inspired by Pokemon. It's doing it. It's doing Pokemon so much better, but it's still not beating Pokemon. Pokemon is, of course, a juggernaut of of RPGs and monster collecting games. But Beat Saber is a juggernaut of rhythm games. And if you want to unseat either of these juggernauts, you have to be doing it way better. And Temtem is doing it way better, in my opinion. But it's not catching on. A lot of it is brand recognition as well. Well, let's be fair. A lot of Pokemon being a franchise means people aren't really into it for the seriousness, yeah. too. So, yeah, for sure, they have that going for them, right? Like, yeah, and they you know span merchandise and anime and all that. Yeah, stuff that's well. what I'm saying. Like, like how many people like Temtem is for people who want to play a more like well constructed Pokemon game but don't have one. Whereas, like, but a number of people are playing Pokemon because the sheep is fluffy the sheep cooler all right this is the last thing and then we're gonna wrap up there's a new wooloo pokemon card and there's a yveltal pokemon card yveltal has an attack called derail uh so yveltal is the pokemon god of death uh wooloo has that same attack wooloo has derail it's the same attack and it does the same thing wooloo the fluffy sheep pokemon and yveltal the god of death share an attack in the Pokemon card game. I just wanted you to know that. Seems accurate. Seems accurate. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I approve. So anyway, that is uh, that is your Pokemon fun fact of the day. I'm looking forward to Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. And I'm going to end the show because I need to get packing and go to LA. But I appreciate you guys watching the early access. Or not watching. I mean, if you're watching on Twitch, then I appreciate you watching. Twitch.tv slash Shampoo. You're watching. 4 p.m. PT on Tuesdays. Find us on Spotify and iTunes. Leave us a rating. And follow us on Spotify. Thank you guys for listening. It's been Nikki. Curious here also. I'll be back Tuesday after I get back from LA. And we'll see you guys then.